I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Connor Pope. We're dropping into your podcast feed today with an extra episode because of major breaking news. The new UK Prime Minister, Liz Truss, has resigned. Given the situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party. Now, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you're used to listening to Irish Times London editor Dennis Dalton explaining what's happening in UK politics. Well, Dennis is in China at the moment, but I'm happy to say that today I'm talking to the Irish Times news editor and former London editor, Mark Hennessy. Hello, Mark, and thanks for joining us today. Hi, Connor. Now, Mark, Liz Truss has resigned after just 45 days in office, making her the shortest serving prime minister ever. How is it that the Conservative Party could have elevated someone who in the end was so clearly unsuited to the job that they had to get rid of her after a month and a half? Well, I mean, you could see the last 45 days as being a single chapter or you can look at what's happened in British politics going back to before Brexit. And uh, I I served in London from about uh, 2009 onwards. And you could see a cancer beginning to grow in British politics from about 2010 with uh, a greater number of people getting to office in the Tories or becoming influential on the margins who were people who believed they had the solution to all the world's problems and that they could create a model uh, that uh, and therefore defied the reality of economics and of, of opinion polls and politics and people's demand. And that became stronger and stronger and stronger. That forced Cameron into a referendum he didn't want on Brexit, uh, but he was arrogant enough to believe that he could win it in a walk and that therefore he would be stronger. It spanceled Theresa May, uh, from the very off and forced her into picking uh, a, a, a form of Brexit that was so tough that it couldn't be uh, delivered on quickly and then it couldn't be delivered at all. And the bits of it that could be delivered have been hugely damaging to the British economy uh, since. That in turn then led to tempers within the Tories getting more and more hysterical. Ergo, you see the rise of Boris Johnson who again gets consumed by the very creature that created him and you end up with Liz Truss. So she she didn't appear as a single item. She mm. she is the end, or what what might hope is the end of uh, a curve. Uh, but you can't even be sure about that because now we see the Tories and they've they're not going to consult the membership uh, next time around. They're going to consult the parliamentary party only. The parliamentary party is hugely split between people yeah. who are of the ilk of Truss and Suella Braverman and Pretty Patel and all of these people with an arch view on Brexit, immigration and, and every other social issue that you can imagine. Then there's the bunch of people who were elected in the Red Wall 
uh, constituencies in the north uh, of England uh, because of Johnson's rhetoric and because of a belief uh, where he convinced voters that he could give them everything and charge them nothing. Uh, And then you see other categories and how all of those different uh, units within the Tory party unite around somebody halfway sensible who can actually settle the ranks to ensure that they go into the next election suffering losses and being out of power, but still being politically viable at the other side of the general election. And that's the the ambition for any Tory leader right now. It's not about staying in power. Let's talk about what has just happened, because the first few weeks of her leadership were bad enough with the crashing of the economy, the binning of most of her economic platform, the platform that got her elected, and of course, the departure of the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Kwasi Kwarteng. Mm. But then this week, things got even worse. So could we maybe start with the resignation of the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman? How and why did that happen? Well, I'm not sure we know the full story behind that, because she said in her resignation statement that she had accidentally emailed a text of a written ministerial statement to somebody from her private email address, not from her uh, government office. Now, that is technically a breach of the rules, and it is technically uh, a resignation offence. Having said that, uh, written ministerial statements are the kind of things that end up as toilet paper, quite frankly. Mm. So the idea that it was a state secret uh, is neither here nor there. It, it just simply wasn't. So it, it was almost, in some ways, I'd suspect that there's an element of manufactured resignation about it on the part of uh, Braverman, that she didn't, uh, uh, she was able to resign uh, on, quote unquote, a point of principle, almost like a Phil Hogan uh, resignation from the mid-90s when uh, one of his staff accidentally faxed a page of a budget. It didn't matter that mm. much, but it made the, the, the person look good by by the speedy resignation. And she is somebody who would see herself as having uh, ambition. So perhaps that um, uh, will strengthen her hand uh, in in her own head, at least. Then you saw the shenanigans last night in the Commons. It has been a night of astonishing scenes at Westminster with reports of jostling, manhandling, bullying and shouting outside the parliamentary lobbies in a supposed vote of confidence in the government. The deputy chief whip was reported to have left the scene saying, I'm absolutely effing furious. I just don't effing care anymore before he resigned. Talk to me about that, Mark, because there was shambolic scenes in the House of Commons last night over a vote on fracking. So why did that become so central to the whole thing? Well, it, it did because trust made it central. Labour uh, took over the agenda as they can on occasions and they put down the motion uh, seeking a ban on fracking. Uh, trust could have ignored it because the a vote, if passed, would have had no legislative effect. It wouldn't have uh, prevented the British government doing whatever it wanted. Uh, but she made it an issue of confidence. Uh, that then forced some of her uh, Conservative Party uh, people who had backed net zero and all of those other uh, climate action changes over the last 10 years, uh, they said they weren't going to vote for it. Then you saw chaotic scenes in the voting lobbies last night in the Commons and allegations of uh, people being physically mishandled and uh, or manhandled and all of the rest of it. And then you had you know people from Labour, Chris Bryant and others out on Channel 4 and elsewhere reacting in horror uh, to the idea that a noble member of the British Parliament would be physically manhandled, uh, rather forgetting the days when this was quite common practice during uh, parts of New Labour when uh, they were putting manners on people. So it's not as if this stuff hadn't happened before, but it was an entirely unnecessary crisis in a week where uh, Liz Truss 
just did not need to go looking for uh, new battles. She managed to create one and managed uh, hugely to weaken her position with stories going around at 10, 11 o'clock on Wednesday night saying that the chief whip had resigned in the, in the middle of the lobby floor and, and effectively left weeping and all the rest of it. They were subsequently denied. So we don't quite know <clears throat> the, the full shape of what they did do or didn't do. But what it did do is it, for the those elements of the Conservative Party uh, that hadn't uh, lost uh, faith in her, that sort of shambles uh, very much put uh, the kibosh on it. And she was still saying this morning, um, talking to people in London earlier, she was still saying in, uh, this morning that she was going to uh, survive uh, mm. only for Graham Brady, the chair of the 22 committee, to go in at lunchtime Thursday and effectively tell her she was dead walking. So, uh, and she went. And once Graeme Brady went into 10 Downing Street, do you think that was it? Was it game over for Liz Truss? And do you think she had any choice no. but to resign? No. I mean, I don't know what Brady said to her, but it was something along the lines of, if you don't go, there is sufficient pressure uh, within the parliamentary party to change the rules and therefore you will face a vote of confidence within the next week. Under the current rules, she would have been protected for a year. He must have been saying to her, uh, you will be gone within uh, a short period of time and I will be forced to hold such a vote. Um, he, he can't have been saying anything uh, else to her and therefore th- then she went. And, you know, from a personal point of view, you know, these are deeply humiliating moments and you can just imagine, um, uh, in fact, I don't think any of us can imagine what the pain uh, uh, that Liz Truss is facing. But equally, mm. you do have to uh, understand uh, the one thing that I always uh, thought was interesting coming from a career uh, writing about Irish politics in Leinster House for the guts of 20 years and then seeing what it was like in the Commons, their capacity uh, to hate, both in terms of Labour and in terms of the Conservatives, the capacity to hate is stronger than anything we would actually be used to in Irish politics. Uh, they, so even going back to the days of Charlie Hawhey and Des O'Malley? Yeah, yeah. even going back to those days, yeah. It's it's visceral. And the ambition is raw uh, than anything that you would see here. You've got you know people who are going into uh, politics and every step they're taking from the very first day they appear before a, a, a Conservative constituency association, it's all with a plan that takes them into Downing Street within five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is. It's extraordinarily orchestrated by those Mm. who are uh, sufficiently uh, ambitious. And the other thing that we don't uh, uh, comprehend fully in Ireland is the ideological nature of uh, of elements of the British political class. Um, You know, in my time, we uh, set up a a foreign correspondence breakfast club. It was known as the Cinnamon Club, and it became quite popular with a lot of uh, uh, leading figures in in British politics. And we could get them there because we could get them to talk to 12 papers across Europe. So it was an easier uh, sell to to people to get them to turn up. But, you know, we had Patel and all of these people. And, you know, when you get them talking in detail about their worldview, you actually do come away with a feeling that it is actually a deeply, deeply strange ideologically driven, utterly confident to the point of arrogance where uh, a a number of people do genuinely believe that they can bend the world to their will. And as we've seen uh, in the last few weeks, uh, that isn't the case. And the the question for the Tories now is what do they do next? And that's actually my next question to you, Mark, because obviously attention will turn 
to who is the next leader of the Tory party. And Liz Truss said in her very short resignation speech that a new leader would be in number 10 within seven days. We've agreed that there will be a leadership election to be completed within the next week. This will ensure that we remain on a path to deliver our fiscal plans and maintain our country's economic stability and national security. I will remain as Prime Minister until a successor has been chosen. Thank you. Do we have any clarity as to how that might happen, given that the process the last time out took weeks and the process to elect a Tory leader normally takes weeks and, evol- and involves the broader membership of the party? Well, it took five months uh, last time, in fact, and, and it would take something similar if they were to do a reprise and, and they can't. But the party uh, grandees do have the right to change uh, the rules and they will change the rules and they will change it in such a way whereby the vote will be confined to the parliamentary party. And unlike the last time, uh, you're going to see fewer candidates because what they will do is they will ensure that each candidate will have to be nominated by a significant uh, number of uh, fellow MPs before they will be put on the voting list. I can't remember what the, uh, the, the threshold was the last time, but I think from the first vote, it was eight or 10 uh, MPs. So it was a very easy threshold. And as a result, the, there were a huge number of people who put themselves on parliamentary uh, partly uh, to you know, position themselves for future advancement and all of the rest of it, not believing that they were ever going to win, but that it was a useful uh, profile-raising exercise. This time round, it'll be a much smaller uh, pool of people. But none, none of the obvious candidates, like uh, Rishi Sunak, who warned during the uh, hustings with uh, Truss when she went before the membership, and, and in fairness to Truss, whatever else she can be accused of. I mean, the question of a lack of democratic mandate, um, uh, the fact that she was a Remainer uh, during her time in cabinet and became a convert to Brexit when it, it was politically advantageous for her. All of that, she can be accused of a whole variety of things. The one thing she can't be accused of is that she got elected on a false promise and on a false premise mm. because she told everybody during the hustings what she was going to do. She was going to cut national insurance. She was going to cut the top rate of tax. She was going to cut uh, corporation tax. She did all of that. And in some ways, you'd kind of wonder why some of these things became such a surprise to the markets uh, thereafter, uh, in in a way, because whatever else it was, uh, she had made it clear. But of the, the the potential candidates, yeah, talk to me about those front runners, Mark, because there was even talk on Thursday afternoon that Boris Johnson might be throwing his hat into the ring in the national interest. So, who are the front runners? Well. I mean, if you'd said a few weeks ago uh, that Boris could be a viable candidate, um, I think everybody would have just laughed at you. And I would still laugh at at the idea. And I don't (laughs) see it being a runner. But given the ludicrous nature of British politics in the last uh, number of weeks and months, you couldn't absolutely 100% rule it out, although I do not believe it will happen. Um, uh, Sunak... uh, Sunak's problem, he didn't, he did, uh, uh, he, he got more support amongst the uh, constituents or amongst yeah. MPs. He, he didn't get. The MPs get, wanted him. The MPs wanted him, but the constituency organization didn't. Uh, has, have the constituency or associations in any way looked in the mirror over the last uh, 12 hours and said, well, we got that one wrong. We better do something more sensible the next time. If that's the conversation they've had with themselves, then uh, conservative associations have changed since the days I was looking at them closely because that level of self-doubt 
uh, was rarely evident uh, from them. They will be convinced to a greater or lesser extent uh, that their uh, champion has yet again been shafted by the party uh, beasts uh, and by the parliamentary party in the same way that so many of them believe that Boris Johnson was shafted, even if most of the rest of us looking at it from the outside saw a a charlatan uh, uh, who was never anything other than a charlatan. Uh, His ability to to motivate part of the Conservative ranks was quite extraordinary. So, as I say, I don't see uh, Boris being a runner. Uh, Sunak is such a divisive figure now, even if he's not hugely well-known outside of the Conservative Party. Uh, He is well-known within it. And if he comes through, then we're going to have a different form of a con- of a divided Conservative Party. It'll just the divisions will be just different ones than the ones that we're seeing today. Uh, Jeremy Hunt has said that he doesn't want it, and that his wife and family have told him that he'd be mad. Uh, but yet he has become in the last week uh, the most powerful man in British politics. That kind of thing tends to be very seductive, and people can convince themselves of uh, the call of national interest. Uh, so that can't be uh, ruled out. Uh, we, we, Suella Braverman, as you mentioned earlier, uh, is almost certainly going to bid, or somebody like her, if it's not Braverman, are, will certainly try to represent uh, the hard right uh, on uh, the party ticket, uh, if only to you know to be a running sore, and all of that leaves uh, the Tories uh, going into the next period where their chances of coming up with a leader who is in any sort of credible way able to run the party, whatever about run the government, uh, to actually run the party in a way that would prepare uh, themselves for the next election. Very hard to see where uh, an option like that comes forth at the moment. And you mentioned the the E word there, because there obviously have been calls for a general election, most loudly from the Labour Party. Mm. Well, what a mess. We need a general election so the public can make their mind up about this utter chaos. But even some members of the Tory party are saying that the time is up for this government. Is an election in the short term at all likely? It's possible, but I, I, I mean, unless they are... Uh, literally turkeys voting for Christmas. Uh, They will try to avoid it because uh, the chances are that there's several hundred of the current crop of uh, Conservative MPs who are looking at their P45s uh, next time round. But, you know, do you want to get your P45 tomorrow or do you want to get it two years from now? Most of us would Mm. take the P45 two years from now if that uh, choice was put before us. And therefore, one would have to assume uh, that, uh, uh, that they will think in a similar fashion. The difficulty is that when a party ends up in this kind of vortex, and we haven't seen too many equivalent periods. Um, in fact, if you go back to a British government of 2000 and 1902 to 1904, I think it's actually almost identical, a huge uh, majority, and uh, was out of power within two years uh, and in a, canast- a catastrophic state. It is a classic example of how dangerous a big majority is mm. uh, in any party. Boris delivered 80 seats. Um, you know, Jack Lynch, um, you know, when he won 20 odd seat majority in 1977 for Fianna Fáil, uh, said to Sean Dagnan within an hour that he knew he was buggered <laughs> because he knew he wouldn't be able to lead uh, a Fianna Fáil party that w- had such a majority because you can't keep manners on TDs or MPs when they think they have freedom to roam in a way that is uh, uh, consequence free. Uh, every TD, so you, every MP right. needs to know that every action I, I do could lead to a general election and the loss of my seat. 
And yeah. that keeps discipline. When you don't have that discipline, things go uh, pear-shipped. So even if they do manage to hang on for another two years and there isn't an election until 2025, is it possible that the Tories can reclaim the ground that they've lost to the Labour Party over a period of two years? Or are they kind of doomed to ultimately lose well, truckloads of seats? Yeah, as of now, you would have to, the best guess is that they are going to lose. The question is, do they lose by, do they get humiliated and destroyed as a party or do they stay as a very viable uh, presence on the political pitch and, you know, one term in opposition and they're back? And as of now, we don't know. Mm. Um, The next uh, few days will decide if they come up with a leader who is seen as being some way credible, uh, uh, by the public at large, then things can settle very quickly. Um, it's not that the people will ever forget the uh, calamitous nature of what happened uh, previously, but rather that if they see there's a, a competent person in charge that over a period of time, the, the sands can settle to some degree. Uh, the difficulty is, as I mentioned earlier, that the uh, Conservative uh, Parliamentary Party is so divided on so many key issues that almost that any candidate who could be named as leader is going to uh, uh, be suffering uh, the consequences of those uh, divisions. And that, from our point of view, is hugely significant because, you know, we were in a situation where with Truss, despite the fact that she was an arch Brexiteer or had become one uh, and actually quite you know, draconian in so many of her views, mm. she had come to the conclusion that she needed to fix the protocol, not because uh, she uh, thought her past views were wrong or anything else, but simply that there were so many other issues on the table that she had to clear the decks. And there had been positive talks at official level uh, with um, officials in Brussels. You saw the Steve Baker um, Damascene conversion and say, right. saying nice things about the Paddies and all the rest of it. Um, all, and all of that sort of mood music was important. It didn't mean that a deal was definite, but it meant that a deal was possible. Now, the next leader of the Tories, depending on who it is, you would hope would think the same, that the protocol is old business. I need to finish it. I need to sort it. I need to come to a deal and get involved. If that doesn't happen, then we are in a very serious situation because if the, if we the next British uh, Tory British Prime Minister doesn't want to make a deal, then that means that they want to make an issue out of Brexit in British domestic politics, in which case we start getting wrapped uh, up in that whole thing again in ways that could be quite destructive. And, you know, the, the, the fundamental problem that and we even saw it with Radio Four this morning, where there was an attempt, you know, by the present one of the presenters to actually close down uh, a, a debate on this issue. The, the the fundamental problem is still not accepted in 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 Britain um, by by significant percentages of people that Brexit was a mistake, and the type of Brexit that they chose was a bigger mistake. And you know, Mark Carney was making the point last week at the time of the Brexit vote, when he was asked whether he thought that Brexit was a mistake and he was too polite and too politic to answer, he said on the day of Brexit, uh, the United Kingdom was 90% of the size of the German economy and today the United Kingdom economy is 70% of the size mm. of the German economy. You know, answer is pretty evident. They have shot themselves in the foot, but they don't accept it at a political level. And even when you look at Starmer, uh, the leader of the Labour Party, he's not prepared to come before the British public and say, we made a mistake, because it, it's a mistake that's not recoverable in our uh, political lifetimes, probably not even in our lifetimes, even if they wanted to change. 
Mark Hennessy, thank you very much for talking to us. That's it for today. In the News will be back in your feed soon. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 